follow the same. Unto thee, O Lord, and do I lift up my soul. Unto thee, O Lord, and do I lift up my soul. And O my God, I trust in thee, and let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Yea, none love that way. On thee be ashamed. Yea, none love that way. On thee be ashamed. And oh my God, I trust in thee. Let me not be ashamed. Oh, let my enemies triumph over me. Remember not the sins of my youth. Remember not the sins of my youth. And oh my God, I trust in thee. And let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Unto thee, O Lord, and do I lift up my soul. And unto thee, O Lord, and do I lift up my soul. And O my God, I trust in thee. And let me not be ashamed. Let not my enemies triumph over me. Let me not be ashamed, let not my enemies triumph over me. Amen. Good morning, church. Uh, today's uh, scripture will be taken from the book of Hebrews. Chapter 7, starting at verse 19, ending at verse 28. I will be reading from the King James Version, 1611. <clears throat> Once again, that's the book of Hebrews, chapter 7, verses 19 through 28. Hebrews, chapter 7, verse 19 28. If you have your Bibles open, it reads, For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by the which we draw nigh unto God. And inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continued ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore, 
he is able also to save them to the utmost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needed not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins and then for the people's. For this he did once when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests which have infirmity, but the word of the oath which was since the law maketh the son who is consecrated forevermore. I've just read to you Hebrews 7, 19 to 28. May the Lord add a blessing to us here and doers of his holy and divine word. Let the church say amen. amen. Let us bow and go to our heavenly Father in prayer. Our Father and our God, which are in heaven. Heavenly Father, we come with our head bowed to the earth, with thanksgiving in our heart, thanking you for so many blessings you have blessed us with. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for waking us up this morning with a reasonable portion of our health and our strength and clothed in our right manner. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for giving us this privilege to assemble together and to which you in spirit and in truth. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the prayers that you have answered in the past, and we just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue answering them in the future. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for blessing us with food, clothes, shelter, transportation, and financial means. But most of all, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your mercy, your grace, your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who freely left his home in glory, came to earth, lived, died, and was buried, and rose again on the third day, according to the Scripture. Amen. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the blood that he shed, that he purchased the church that we are a member of. We thank thee, Heavenly Father, for the Holy Spirit, we thank thee, Heavenly Father, for your word, which is our guideline from earth to glory. We pray, Heavenly Father, for each and every member here at Inglewood Church of Christ and their families and friends. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will bless us with the thing, Heavenly Father, you know we stand in the need of according to your will. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the churches that are having difficulty at this time. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will look down and bless them with the thing, Heavenly Father, you know they stand in need of according to your will. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the sick and the shut in. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will look down and bless them with the thing you know they stand in need of. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the one that's traveling, I will be traveling. We just pray, Heavenly Father, they'll get to and from their destination safe without any hurt, harm, or danger coming to them. We also pray, Heavenly Father, for the bereaved families all over the world. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will comfort those families and strengthen those families in the way that only you know how. And we also pray, Heavenly Father, that your will will be done here on earth as it is done in heaven. And we pray, Heavenly Father, when we think Say, I do anything contrary to your word. We pray, Heavenly Father, you forgive us 
and won't hold it against us at the judgment, Father. We also pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue strengthen us where we are weak and build us up, Heavenly Father, where we are torn down. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones walking in darkness. We just pray, Heavenly Father, they see the light, come to the light before it's everlasting too late. We also pray for our delinquished members. We pray, Heavenly Father, they'll come back and repent before it's everlasting too late. We pray, Heavenly Father, for the ones working on the front line. We just pray, Heavenly Father, you will continue watching over them and keeping them safe before it's everlasting too late. We pray, Heavenly Father, we will continue loving each other more and more each day. And we pray, Heavenly Father, we will be a better Christian today than we were yesterday. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that this witcher service will be done decent and in order. And we pray it will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And we say a special prayer for Brother Cole Pepper as he come deliver us the bread of life. We pray, Heavenly Father, we'll listen. Though words we'll listen towards eternity. Because thee will be eternal matters. He will be delivering unto us. And not only listeners and hearers of your word, Heavenly Father, but also doers of your word. And the things we learn, we pray, that we'll go teach and tell others what they must do to be saved. And Heavenly Father, when we done come to the end of our journey and said our last prayer and taken our last breath, we just pray, Heavenly Father, we'll hear those wonderful words. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come on in, get your mansion, your robe, and your crown. All these blessings we ask in your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Our next song selection, please note pages um, 869 in your Faith and Praise books. Once again, that's page 869 in your Faith and Praise books. Once again, that's page 869 in your faith and praise books. 869. We're marching to Zion. Father, let us sing. Come we that love the Lord and let our joys be known. Join in a song with sweet accord. Join in a song with sweet accord. And thus surround the throne. And thus surround the throne. Well, we're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion, we're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Let those refuse to sing who never knew our God, but children of the heavenly King, but 
children of the heavenly King may speak, their joys abroad may speak, their joys abroad. Well, we're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upwards to Zion, the beautiful city of God. The hill of Zion yields a thousand sacred sweets. Before we reach the heavenly fields, before we reach the heavenly fields, or walk the golden streets, or walk the golden streets, well, we're marching to Zion, beautiful, beautiful Zion. We're marching upwards to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Then let our songs abound and every tear be dry. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground. We're marching through Emmanuel's ground to fair worlds on high, to fair worlds on high. Well, we're marching to Zion. Beautiful, beautiful Zion, we're marching upward to Zion, the beautiful city of God. Man. Please note pages 490 for our next song selection. Once again, that's page 490 in your faith and praise books. Once again, it's page 490 in your faith and praise books. It is well with my soul. Once again, it's page 490 in your faith and praise books. Bob, let us sing. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul.
night. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend. Even so it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul, with my soul. It is well, it is well with my soul. Amen. It is well. It is well with my soul. Uh, what a wonderful song to sing as we engage in the worship services of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and certainly to the Father, which is in heaven's glory. It's always good to know that it is well with our soul. Uh, every day that we live, we recognize that life's journey may end. It is not uh, upon us to determine uh, when the Father has, uh, in his own providence and in his own wisdom, uh, has determined when he's going to call us home to glory. Uh, and so we live each day of our lives with the full expectation uh, that if we live faithful unto death, God will give us a crown of life that fadeth not away. And so we live with the mindset, and I pray that you, if you will, have developed this mindset that, that you know that it is well with your soul uh, when you are walking in Christ, when you're doing the things that God has uh, commanded us to do. Uh, I think David has made it very clear uh, that uh, when he said uh, uh, that he would... Uh, that he would plead, if you will, with the Lord, and, and that he would, in fact, laud his word, uh, knowing that when he has given his life over to God, uh, that God will try his reins. That is, he would look into his soul, look into his heart, look into his mind, uh, and to see what manner of man that he is. And he says, try me, Lord. Try my reins. In other words, tug on them and, and, and make sure that I'm ready. Uh, when it is that you call, that I may be able to enter in uh, to heaven's glory. And so we're so thankful to God that it is well uh, with our soul as we strive to live uh, the life of Christianity on this time side of life. I call your attention to Hebrews, back to our text where we began uh, this journey. Uh, we've been speaking, if you will, on uh, the theme, the ark, the uh, tabernacle, the temple, the church, and all of them culminating and intersecting with the covenant. Uh, and so we've been speaking about that, and just recently we began to uh, uh, speak on the topic, if you will, that has been extra uh, extrapolated or extracted, rather, from these uh, discussion points. We've been talking about, uh, but I am spiritual. Uh, we, we, we wanted to identify what it means to be uh, spiritual. Uh, what God has said, uh, said about what it means to be spiritual. And surely when you go to the book of Hebrews, I, I know by this time, if it is that you have uh, taken the time to 
immerse yourselves a little bit in the text, you will find that uh, this text, Hebrews, is, all, is, is, is truly all about uh, being spiritual. It's all about being, if you will, uh, uh, in a relationship with God and developing uh, the kind of relationship God would want you to have. It speaks about being in the midst of the church. Uh, it talks about how we are to, uh, if you will, uh, 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 address ourselves in the spiritual sense uh, that we may be holy and acceptable unto God. It reminds us of the significance of Christ, being that he is the, uh, the, the priest after the order of Melchizedek. Many of us have studied that, and we've shared some words about that concerning uh, that Ms. Melchizedek uh, was mentioned uh, only once in the Old Testament text, and then it, he was, if you will, referenced again in the book of Hebrews. But in each of these cases, he's identified as one who uh, uh, has not had any uh, description of his beginning, no father, no mother being the meaning. Uh, there was no need to acknowledge who or what his origin was because Melchizedek is in fact the type of Christ, uh, having no beginning and certainly having uh, no end. Uh, but yet he is identified as the high priest of the most high God. He is, uh, uh, if you will, uh, identified uh, in such a way and described as such a way, we know that Abraham gave tithes unto Melchizedek, which means that uh, Abraham, who had the promise of God, uh, being the one who had the promise of uh, faith, uh, uh, but nevertheless, we recognize that uh, uh, Abraham gave tithes to Melchizedek, and, and in that, Melchizedek, if you will, uh, blessed Abraham, amen. And so we recognize that the greater uh, is, if you will, uh, the one that blesses uh, the lesser. Uh, and Abraham recognized himself, himself rather, as being uh, lesser than Melchizedek, which represents that Melchizedek had a more superior role, which gets us back to Christ. And so we find ourselves now in Hebrews chapter 7, and we return there uh, as we continue to unfold this transition between the tabernacle and the temple uh, with some sprinkling of the church here. Uh, in some ways, uh, but we return here for a specific reason, because now we are moving in our, uh, our outline when it comes to the church, we're moving uh, uh, into the idea of the evolution of consciousness, and, and it's, in, it's important that as we uh, think about our, our, uh, our relationship with God, we move into our consciousness, if you will, it's important that we understand that in this relationship with God, that God says we have to do something. We have to purge our conscience. We have to get rid of some stuff. You may remember that in uh, last Lord's Day, we talked about, uh, in the in Lord's Day before, we, we talked about laying off every weight in sin that so easily beset us. Uh, sometimes we look at this as physical, but this is a spiritual conversation laying off every weight and sin. In other words, we described weight, the Bible describes weight as those things. If we don't let them go, if we don't put them off, they can eventually become sin. And so uh, Paul made it very clear that we lay aside every weight and any, anything that's moving in the direction of becoming a sin, you lay it off and, and, and those things that have become fully, or those things rather, that have become fully mature and are now sin in our lives. Lay off every weight and sin that so easily does what? Beset us. 
causes us not to walk in the way that God would have us to walk, to live according to how God would have us to live. And so he says, lay it off. And in a sense, he's saying, you've got to purge yourself. And when you purge yourself, you're releasing some stuff. You're releasing that which, if you will, causes you uh, not to walk in the way of God. Paul would remind the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Many of you may be familiar with the text as uh, the Corinthians who had many wonderful gifts. But yet even in those spiritual gifts, they were still not living according to God's way. You may recall in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul talked about the distinction between the carnal mind and the spiritual mind. They were still struggling with this transition of life. And I dare say that the church of Corinth is no different than any one of us. We're still, if you will, struggling in that transition from the carnal mind to the spiritual mind. And he says we need to, if you will, continue to look at God's word, how God's word is to, to continue to help us evolve, help us to mature, if you will, to become that which is of Christ. He referenced, if you will, the children of Israel in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and 4, going back to the, tabin uh, going back to the uh, if you will, to the time when they were crossing over the Red Sea. He's going back to the time where the children of Israel, if you will, were given uh, the law. They drank of that same spiritual rock, which is that which is Christ. They and it is that spiritual connection that we have with the uh, children of Israel, being at one time the chosen people of God. Amen. During that then known time, but now the church is full of God's chosen people, and so God brings us together. Those who are faithful under the law, those who are faithful under the New Testament, amen, are coming together to become, if you will, that one body, that one uh, 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 people that God will if eventually, if you will, allow to enter into heaven's glory, such as Hebrews chapter 11 uh, helps us to understand more thoroughly. But in Hebrews chapter 7, Paul brings us to a point where we are con considering where are we in our relationship with God? Do we understand truly who Christ is and what he has done? Something that could not be accomplished by any man-made religion or belief system. Surely even the uh, priesthood of the Levitical priesthood could not accomplish that which Christ was able and did in fact accomplish and was purposed to accomplish, accomplish. Hebrews chapter 7 helps us to understand that Christ is much more than what man could ever truly, if you will, appreciate when it comes to why he died on the cross. In Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 19, as was read in our hearing, for the law made nothing perfect. For the law made nothing perfect. Nothing under the Levitical priesthood, nothing under the, Le the Levitical priesthood made man perfect. Nothing. Under the uh, Levitical priesthood, we have, if you will, God uh, uh, authorizing Moses to uh, create the priesthood through Aaron. He allowed for the priesthood to come into existence to become a type and an example of that which was to come. He allowed Moses, if you will, to deliver the, the Decalogue for some, we, but we know that the Bible is 
The Old Testament is consisting of much more than Ten Commandments. But nevertheless, he allowed for Moses to deliver the, 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 the commandments, if you will, Deuteronomy chapter 5, to the children of Israel. It was limited in its scope. Those who would want to become, if you will, followers of the, of, the, of the one true God would then become proselyted into the Levitical priesthood, uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, the children of Israel, amen, and be under that Levitical priesthood. But it was still limited in scope. It was limited to those people that God had chosen. But when it comes to the New Testament text, we find ourselves with a much broader inclusion of anybody and everybody who desires to be saved. But what we have to understand is, is that it is God who, if you will, had it in his plan to make sure that man would not limit himself to the things that he could do of his own physical ability, but that he would become more conscious, or conscious rather, of God and God's ability to save his soul. In other words... He was getting the children of Israel, as Galatians, rather, chapter 3 says, that the law was our schoolmaster, bringing us unto Christ to help us understand more about what it meant to be Christ-like, to have the mind of Christ, to be able, if you will, to take this mind of Christ through the word of God, place it in our spiritual hearts, and allow us, if you will, to overcome those things which so easily beset us, the sin. That keeps us from moving toward God. The law made nothing perfect. But the bringing in of a better hope did. The bringing in of a better hope is in reference to Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 1. Christ is our hope. And so he says a better hope did. In other words, a better hope, if you will, made, if you will, us, get, provided us an opportunity, if you will, that we can draw nigh, that is to draw nearer to God. You see, the law itself, and I wonder, this is, this is where uh, uh, we need to uh, begin to open up our spirits, spiritual conscience to this thing, because we have to understand that just because something is written doesn't mean people are going to obey it, nor does it mean people are going to change. They had the law. Under the Old Testament, they had the law. They had the Decalogue and all the, us, all the other uh, uh, commandments that were given by the Levitical priesthood, all, if you will, uh, uh, 70 of them that came and went because of the issue of death. Every new high priest came in and had their own little issues, amen, but they all came in and, and, and they tweaked the, the word of God the way that they wanted to tweak it, amen, as man would do. But when it came to Christ, Christ was the end of the Levitical priesthood because God brought in the new law, the New Testament law. Not one that would be implemented by man, if you will, after, after one high priest died, the other one came aboard, and after that high priest died, and another one came aboard. But no, once and for all, Christ, if you will, comes in the, uh, to, if you will, in the form of being the high priest of God, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. The Melchizedek antitype is now on the scene, and he brings in God's word, and he says he becomes a high priest. Forever after the order of Melchizedek by the oath of God. And this is important because when you see the oath of God, God didn't take an oath on the Levitical priesthood. He didn't say that the, Levit the Levitical priesthood would be forever. 
He said this priesthood would be forever because it would be after God himself. Christ would be the high priest and there would be no high priest before him after the order of Melchizedek and there will be none after him. In other words, when Christ comes in, God solidifies even through his death that he is the beginning and the end. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the first and the last. It is he that was dead but now is alive forevermore. Our high priest of the church liveth and shall never die. This is after the order of Melchizedek. He says, this is the hope that we have. In verse number 20, he says, and inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. That is high priest. Verse number 21, for those priests were made without an oath. That is, under the Levitical priesthood, they were made without an oath, but, with, but this with an oath. By him that said unto him, the Lord swear and will not repent. The word repent here is not the idea of repentance in terms of sin. But the word repent here comes from the Greek word which means the Lord will not change. In other words, God is not going to change what he is also, that he has just sworn to concerning Christ being a high priest forever. After the order of Melchizedek, he will not change like he did with the Levitical priesthood. The Levitical priesthood changed. The old law vanished away in the crucifixion of Christ. Colossians chapter 2 tells us that the ordinances that were against us were nailed to the cross, and they were taken out of the way. But now Christ, if you will, comes into the scene. And I want you to see this. The law, if you will, was after the physical issue of man. Man obeyed the law according to doing the deeds of the law. There was no spiritual connection to it. Romans chapter 2 and 9 teaches us that they, if you will, failed in that journey because they did not receive the word of God by faith. It was never part of their minds. It was a part of what they just did. It was something they did. They offered because God said offer. Had no faith in it, they just offered it. They went to the, to the temple because God said go to the temple. It wasn't that they had any faith in it, they just did it because God said do it. But when it comes to the New Testament, God says I have made a vow in the spiritual realm. I have made an oath in the spiritual realm. And I will not change this oath, God says. Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. That which I showed Abraham, that the lesser is blessed of the greater. But so much was Jesus made a surety of a better covenant. And when you look at this idea of surety, I want you to understand something. That when, 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 when the law is, is a, just a written document and, and individuals read that written document, but yet it doesn't change their soul. It doesn't change their mind. It doesn't change their spirit. Guess what? You have no benefit of the law. It's just words on a piece of paper. It has benefit when the law becomes part of who you are in your consciousness. And so when we obey the word of God, we're not obeying the word of God just because it's written in the paper. We're obeying the word of God because we believe it. We believe it. It is 
our faith that keeps us going. We come to worship not just because God says come to worship. We come to worship because we believe it. We believe what God is able to do. And when we come to worship, let me tell you something. If you don't believe that God can help you with your infirmities and problems and you come to worship, for what are you coming? I come to worship because when I lay my burdens at the feet of God, I don't pick them up and walk out with them. I say, Lord, I've done all I could with them. Now I'm leaving them and I know that you're going to help me deal with them. entertainment but they don't understand that worship is not about being entertained amen oh I'm gonna say something here don't y'all get up and run out though it's gonna be all right worship ain't about being entertained worship is about being sustained we need to <laughs> Lord have mercy when I come to worship I'm coming to get that which I need to go back out there to be sustained last time we called it refreshing I need a refreshing from the Lord. I need to be able to be sustained because until he takes me out of this place physically, I have to deal with it. But I can't deal with it from the physical. I got to deal with it from the spiritual because my battle is not with the wicked I see. The battle is with the wicked I can't see. I need the Lord. Are y'all with me this morning? I need the Lord on my side because when I'm coming When I'm in the world and I know that the world is collapsing in upon me because I know that the the, the, the wickedness of the devil that he left behind is not going to find, is not going to allow me to find the rest that I need in this world. But I know I can find the rest that I need in Christ. Amen. So though the world may turn upside down, my rest is still in Christ. You see, I go to sleep at night not because of what I've been able to accomplish in the world. I go to sleep at night because of what I've been able to accomplish in Christ. The wickedness that leads us down the pathway that corrupts our our consciousness, Paul says we need to purge it. We need, we need to purge it. I don't have time to go back to those seven spirits and all of that. Get the previous sermons. But we need to purge it. We need to get it out of our systems so that we can appreciate the surety that Christ has become and that Christ has presented before us. Let me tell you something. When, when, when Paul tells Timothy uh, to, to, to make that calling, an election sure. You can't make your calling an election sure until Jesus is your surety. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna say it again. You can't make your calling an election sure until Jesus is your surety. Now, 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 now. Let me spend some time here for a moment because when we when we when we when we know that uh, which we have in our lives is of such a value that God is able and willing to accept it as, as, as collateral for your soul. Oh, Lord, have mercy. He's, he's, he's willing to 
if you will, uh, ensure that your soul has the necessary uh, leverage under it. That it is able, if you will, to, 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 to be identified as having value that, that, that God is willing to save. Now, a surety is someone who underwrites that. Lord have mercy. I, I apologize, but I'm trying to help you. It is one that underwrites that which someone sees does not have enough value by itself. Let me, let me, let me try to get this a little simpler here. When, when, when you go to the, 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 the bank for a loan, see, now I, I know I, I'm in the house now. I think I'm in the house. When you go to the bank for a loan and, and, you, and you put your credit out there and the bank officer looks at your credit, amen, and that person who is the bank officer looks at your credit and says, you know, you, you don't have enough value. You don't have enough zeros in your bank account. You don't have enough assets. Amen. Y'all with me? Amen. Uh, you need a surety. You need somebody who can underwrite. Amen. Amen. I, we need somebody we can see has uh, the value that we need. Amen. Amen. In case you default on yours. Are y'all with me now? And so we need a surety. We need somebody we can look to that has enough resources, enough assets. Amen. In case you default on yours, we can we can see where we can get our, our money from. Are y'all with me? Amen. See, I figured when I started going to money, everybody started following me. No one messing with nobody's money. And so when we when we when we see the surety here. Take your mind out of the car. Amen. That's a parable to get you to the spiritual. When you look at Jesus, while we were yet in our sins, Lord have mercy, ungodly people, amen, Romans 3 and 23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. While we were yet in our sins, Christ died. For the ungodly. Now, see, you may not have ever really appreciated that scripture before, but perhaps this morning you'll be able to appreciate it more. Because, see, when Christ died, it was because in sin, our souls are lost. Amen. But in Christ, Lord have mercy, our souls are saved. Being redeemed. You see. And so the Bible says we have redemption through his blood, Ephesians 1 and 7, even the forgiveness of sin. And so what you see is in sin, we are counted as worthless because no sin is going to enter into heaven. Are, are you with me now? And so what I need on my side in order for me to have that 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 worth and be worthy of God, I need Christ to be my surety. 
Lord have mercy. And look what the Lord says. Jesus says, I'll underwrite it. Jesus says, I'll die for it. Oh, are you hearing me? Without Christ, there was no value for God to save us. You are not going to be saved in your sin. Because there's no value for God. No sin. God kicked the devil and those who were with him out of heaven because of their sin. Why do you think he would bring you into heaven with your sin? John the Baptist says in Mark, Behold, the Lamb that taketh away the sin of the whole world. Christ is our surety who underwrites our soul. When one chooses not to be in Christ, you are choosing not to have spiritual value. God said Christ can give you that spiritual value that you need. He is our surety. And, and, and I want you to see this here too. I want you to see this. This is, this, 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 is, this, is, this is hopeful. When he says in verse number 22, by so much was Jesus made a surety. Jesus was made a surety. Right? As, as, as Galatians chapter 3 says that, that, that uh, if you will, that the Old Testament was a schoolmaster bringing us uh, uh, unto Christ. Jesus is our surety. He was made a surety. That if we in fact choose to believe in him and to obey the word of God, then we in fact can be saved. Ephesians 1 and 4 and 1, brethren. If you will, I beseech you therefore that you walk worthy of the vocation wherein you have been called. We're worthy of it. None of us are worthy of Jesus being our surety. But God made him our surety. And look at this. And being that he is our surety, God is willing to accept us all in order to be saved. Because Jesus is our surety. And I want you to see this here. God went to the point where, where, uh, he says, look, I'm not only going to place the value that you need before me, that is in the form of Christ, I'm going to write the agreement. Lord have mercy. It's called the diatheke. And, and, and the reason why I give the Greek term because someone said, oh, it's a, it's a wheel. It don't It's the diatheke. It is the covenant whereby God takes that which is his. Lord have mercy. You know, none of us deserve Christ. None of us had anything that was of value to deserve Christ dying and suffering on the cross. God looked into his treasure. In heaven. 
them and see value. That I will be able to, if you will, bless them that they might be saved. Amen. God looks into heaven. He sees his son, Jesus. Lord have mercy. And he didn't look. He didn't send Michael to die on the cross. He didn't send Gabriel to die on the cross. These are angels that identified in the word of God that fought against Satan and defeated him, by the way. But he didn't send either one of them. He saw his son. The only begotten. to give them a dear thinking. I'm going to give them a covenant. And this covenant will be written by me. Whereby when God writes it, the covenant is written perfectly. Amen. It is written perfect because when God writes it, he's, he's no longer using man to implement it. Man is used as an instrument to communicate it, but not implement it. Under Moses, the Old Testament, are y'all with me? He used Moses to implement the Old Testament and the high priest to implement and to put into action the Old Testament. Under the New Testament, he doesn't use man he uses Christ, Amen. who is God in the flesh. Amen. Lord, have mercy. So not only, not only does he provide Christ the greatest value that heaven could ever offer, Christ then dies for the sins of the whole world. So that he may now become the author of eternal salvation to all those who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Do you hear what I'm saying? He takes Christ not only as the value that is the only value worthy that could underwrite man's soul. He then has Christ become the author of the covenant that will save their soul. Lord have mercy. You know, we, we, we. This is something that only God could do. You know, man can't think this stuff up. Don't, don't, don't have the brain power to even come closer. You see, you know, that's, that's why Isaiah tells us his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. Even as the heavens high above the earth are his thoughts from our thoughts, his ways from our ways. There's no way man could have thought this up. Amen. God takes his son. Because you know you always have the scoffers, right? But he takes his son. Because see, if it, if it, and you can just see how God's working with this, right? God's working with this. He manifests his son in the same flesh. Galatians chapter 4. Puts him in the same flesh that we were born into. Are y'all with me? In the same flesh. Because see, if God had not suffered in the flesh, 
then somebody gonna stand before the judgment bar and say, you can't understand us because you ain't never been in the flesh. Y'all know how it go. Right? You can't understand me because you ain't never been me. Right? So Christ comes. You can't outthink God. Christ comes. Born of a woman. Born under the law. Amen. Well, it was your law that did it. It wasn't us. Well, I'm going to send Christ. He will be under the law. And he kept it without sin. So don't blame my law. Amen. You see, God working So Christ comes. He dies. And guess what? When he dies, he says, now that I showed you that he could live under the law, he's going to die. Nail this law to the cross. Amen. And I'm going to bring in a new law. The deity. I'm going to bring in a law that was not only, if you will, able to save Israel if they might turn around and become servants of the Most High God. As John 8 says, if you will, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And Paul says in Romans 10, brethren, my heart to God and prayer to God is that Israel might be saved. For I bear them record. That they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they have gone about trying to establish their own righteousness and not submitting themselves to the righteousness of God. You see, when you come to the New Testament text, when you come to the church, you are no longer submitting yourselves to the doctrines of the world. What you're saying is, I'm going to submit myself to the deathake, to the covenant of God. Amen. And I know that in, 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 the, in the covenant of God, it is perfect. Because the covenant of God is not only underwritten by God himself, it is written by God himself. So Paul writes to us. And he says to us, look, you know, this seed uh, uh, that is, that is, that is uh, your conscience that is purged is is purged because of the, of the seed that is placed in your heart. In John 12 and 24, he says, except the seed fall to the ground and die. And that seed, if you will, that needs to cause this, the, 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 you to change and to purge your conscience is that old man that needs to, be, need, needs to be put to death. And he's put to death in the watery grave of baptism. That old man is now, the old man with his carnal mind, are y'all with me? To, 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 to evolve into a spiritual consciousness. Amen. That's 1 Peter 3 and 15. Helps us to understand that conscience that is of the spirit is that conscience that is filled with the word of God, which is the seed of God. As Luke 8 and 11 says, it is the word of God, which is that seed. And that seed is, if you will, uncorruptible. You can say what you want. You can do what you want. But the word of God will always be true. And it is able to change the soul. Right? Remember what Isaiah said? Thy word will never return unto him void. But it will come. 
let me tell you something. If you're seeking God and you truly want to become a child of God, the word of God's going to change you so that you can become that. Amen. But if you're, if you're, if you're, if you're coming before God uh, uh, with false pretenses, the word of God will also expose you. Lord have mercy. Amen. It will accomplish that for which it has been purposed. Lord have mercy. If you're, if you're coming to God under false pretenses, it will expose you. If you're coming to God because you want to be saved, it will save you. Amen. How do you know that, Brother Culpepper? Because 2 Corinthians 5 and 10 says we all must stand before the judgment bar of God. And we have to give an account of the things that we've done in this body, whether it be good or whether it be what? Or whether it be evil. In other words, the word of God is going to expose you. Or the word of God is going to save you. Remember in John 12, 48, when Jesus says, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my word has one that judgeth him. And that word there, remember, receiveth not my word is the deed thinking. It's the covenant of God. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not the covenant. You will not do any harm to the scripture by putting covenant in there because that's what the word is. It is the covenant of God. He that rejected me and received not my covenant has one that judges him. How do you know? Because the covenant is going to judge you according to what you've done in this body, whether it be good or whether it be evil. God said you, we need to allow that seed we need to allow that seed, which is the word of God, to, 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 to be placed in our spiritual hearts. And by being placed in our spiritual heart, when that seed is planted, remember in Matthew chapter 13, we've preached on this. I'll, I'll reference it here just for your, for your note-taking sake. In, in Matthew 13, when he starts talking about the various seeds that are planted, there are seeds that are planted by the devil, and there are seeds that are planted by God. Amen. And those seeds that are planted by God that fall on good ground bring forth 30, 60, 100 fold. And some, in, in, that, in, that, in that agricultural context, what he's talking about is when you receive the word of God, you will mature. Because God's word will accomplish that for which it has been purposed. If you want to become a child of God, the one that is on the, on the way of being saved, in the way of salvation, and you receive God's word, let me tell you something. The more you read it, the more you'll change. If you desire to be saved, God's word will teach you. God's word will guide you. God's word will lead, lead you. And God's word will save you. How do you know? Because David told us. David told us. David said, thy word, thy DFAK, thy covenant is a lamp unto my feet. It's a light unto my pathway. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that is my conscience. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. David told us, you got to let that seed be planted. Because that seed is uncorruptible. And there are those who will try to twist the word of God. But what you have to do is learn how to read the word of God. So you can understand what folks folk trying to arrest and twist the scripture. But when you understand the word of God and that word of God is leading you in your life. Let me tell you something. 
it will change your life. And you may say, well, Brother Copa, but how do I know when the word is changing my life? How do I know it's having an effect on my life? Well, only you know best. But let me give you some data points that you can reference when you start thinking about how do I know when my life is changing? I give one to each of you because each of us have it in common. All of us have a past. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to have to come down here. you look like, amen, then, versus what you look like now, amen, you, you, you know you do, when you look into the perfect law of liberty, I want you to see what James says, James says, look, you have to make sure, in verse, in James 1, 
and verse number 19. I want you to take this with you because I'm closing right here. We'll pick up the rest later. And James 1 and 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. First of all, he's talking about the diatheke. When you hear the word of God, don't start getting upset. Start focusing. Amen. Well, God, he, he calling me out. That's all right. Don't get upset. Start focusing. What is it that God's word is speaking to in my life? Verse number 20. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You see, when you get upset, that puts in blockers. You see, you start blocking. <laughs> he talking about me. I don't know how many times after 30 years of preaching, I don't know if there's a Sunday that's gone by where somebody didn't come up to me and say, boy, you're stepping on my toes. I said, God was stepping on your toes. Don't be blaming me. Amen. I'm just the mail carrier. I didn't write the letter. Look, for the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, verse number 21, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. That's the diatheke. Which is what? Which is able to save your soul. Do y'all see that there? Amen. Verse number 22. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if, ye, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. That's a mirror. Now I want you to see here. Look what he says. For if any be a hearer of the word, that's the diatheke. That's the word of God. He says, and not a do. See, you have folk who will listen, but they won't allow themselves to change. Did you hear what I'm saying? Are you with me now? Are you with me? So, so look, you got folks, you need to come to church, you need to come to church, you need to come to church. They'll show up to church, but guess what? They won't change. You, you, you like you under the old law, right? Where you just do because of the commandments say do, but you're not receiving it with faith so that your conscience may change. You see, and so he says, he says, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he makes a very clear distinction here as he puts it off with the commas and not a doer. In other words, folk listen all the time. I go to worship every Sunday. Well, that's great. My question is not about whether or not you come to worship every Sunday. It's going to be all right. Hold on, strap in. It's not about whether or not you come to worship every Sunday. My question is what you do on Monday. <laughs> all right. So, so. <laughs> that, that, that's where the question is because see if you're coming on Sunday and you're receiving the engrafted word which is able to save your soul some change should be starting to take place so the person that came to worship on Sunday should be a different person that shows up to work on Monday are y'all with me if God blesses you to rise to see the sunrise on, on, on Monday morning the word of God should be having some kind of effect on your life. 
And that's why you hear us in our prayer. We say often, Lord, let me, let me be a, a better Christian uh, 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 tomorrow than I was today. Right? Because there should be a change in my life. And James makes it very clear. Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. You know when someone beholding their natural face in the glass, it is because they, they are seeing their past. Lord have mercy. For he beholdeth himself. Verse number 24. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway, what? Forget it! What manner of man he was. You're looking at your past. Lord have mercy. You're looking at, when you look into the mirror, you're looking at your past. Right? Because see, from that moment that you turn away from that mirror, you've now entered into your future. Lord have mercy. All right, all right. He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the, into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein. Do you see what I'm saying here? Look what he says. Look, 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 look. If you look into the word of God and you don't change, you will always see who you are because you will always be what you were in the past. You will never be changing if you don't take the opportunity to change. He says you behold your natural face. Every day you get up, you look in the mirror, you see that old crusty man that you were yesterday. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. Now look into, look, look into is not only from the perspective of the Greek word blepo, to see. But look into gives us a broader understanding. Look into extends it to not only to see, but to investigate. When I look into the perfect law of liberty, I'm now in the mindset of investigation. I want to see what matter of man, not that I was, but what I can become. Are y'all with me? Not about what I was, but what I can become. You follow what I'm saying? And so Paul says, continue to look. He that looking is not only in the sense of seeing and what I can become, but to continue. In other words, don't stop looking into God's word. Continue to look into God's word. Because as long as I continue to look in God's word, I have the hope of becoming better tomorrow than I was today. That's a spiritual conscience. That's what it means to say, but I am spiritual because I'm not walking in the flesh any longer. I'm walking in the spirit. I want to be better. I want to have greater blessings. I want to have mercy beyond boundaries because let me tell you something. In the body of Christ, as a member of the Church of Christ, and I'm closed, I not only have access to mercy, I have, I have access to grace. Are y'all with me? I have not only access to mercy, but I have access. I have access to grace. 
And, 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 and since I have access to both, my hope is, is that when I fall short of God's glory, amen, when, 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 I, when I don't do all that I should do, when, when I don't think the way that I should think, I don't speak the way that I should speak. And, and many times when I say things that I ought not to say, that puts me on the outside of God, and I say and I think things that I ought not to think, that puts me on the outside of God, and I do things that I ought not to do, that puts me outside of God. I thank God for His grace. Sin abounding, 
says now is the accepted time. Now is the time of salvation. It gives us the sense of urgency. Don't play with your soul. Don't play with your soul. Come in. Oh. 
coming home, never more to roam. Open wide thine arms of love, Lord, I'm coming home, coming home, coming home, never more to roam. Open wide thine arms of love, Lord, I'm coming home. Let's just say amen. Amen. I want to thank Brother Coker for five lessons this morning. I hope it stays with you this week and it's going to help us. From his labor, I have several cards for me. First, I have a card from Sister Loretta Ramsey. She has a statement on the back. Ramsey. I also have a card from Sister Shirley Wiggins. Her statement on the back. She says, please pray for my family and my sister Adela Davis. Sister Wiggins. I have a card from Sister Sandy Tolliver. Her statement on the back. She says, I want to thank you all for your prayers for my family. Thank you again for praying for Rachel. She made it back to Texas safely.